Welcome to the Locker Room podcast. So this is the new podcast that we've developed uh, alongside dailysportscience.com. Um, delighted to announce that we've got Ross Bennett and Joe Coulter here with me, and we'll be chatting through different topics each week or each two weeks, and then we'll put it out for our members and out to the public as well. Uh, Ross needs no introduction, so he's Head of Performances, QPR Football Club Academy, has worked with myself with London GA as well with the senior team and now is part of DSS. Joe Coulter is made famous by being the brother of Benny Coulter and he was there <laughs> since Benny came onto this earth. Uh, and Joe has been with me with London senior football team the last number of years as well previously as assistant manager and coach and he's involved as uh, operations or head of operations with Dealey Sports Science as well. So... You're very welcome, Ross. Cheers, Keirs. Thanks for the introduction. And Joe as well. Thanks very much, Kieran. I appreciate that introduction. <laughs> Joe, Joe, I'm hoping that you're going to be coming along with a lot of the, um, the club coaching uh, aspect of things as well mm. and, and analysis, mm. since, since you're still involved with university teams mm. and still involved with club teams also. Yes, yes, Kieran. Um, I'm uh, I'm involved with uh, St Mary's University here in uh, Twickenham. I'm uh, coaching the uh, ladies' team and the men's team. So the fin- the season has just uh, actually lucky enough we we finished the season in uh, in early March there, just before the the lockdown. Um, I'm also involved with uh, St Bretons here in, in Southwest London. So I'm I'm the manager of St Bretons, and uh, we've had a couple of a uh, couple of months pre-season. But obviously, unfortunately, we we've had a stop. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully, I can give uh, some some insight into the club into the club side of things on that as well, Kieran. Yeah, Great. looking forward to it. Good stuff. So you're you're kind of like the Conan Doherty of of the locker room po- podcast from the GAR. <laughs> exactly, and that that would make you Colin Parkinson. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> that's the worst news ever I've heard today. <laughs> and Ross, it would Ross, be really good. Is if if I knew who these people were. <laughs> well, that's exactly. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Well, that's exactly it. So you're coming more from the 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 football or the the soccer aspect of it. Um. So you've you've worked all your career in in let's call it professional football since university, Ross. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a few other sports, but my bread and butter, I guess, played football. Um, not Gaelic, played soccer, um, and yeah, worked in there since since I've graduated. So, obviously, you brought me into the world of of the GAA, um, which we can talk about here, and we reference quite a lot on on DSS. And then, kids, you forgot I mentioned I worked a little bit in the club scene as well. Um, don't forget <laughs> under the infamous Lloyd Colfer. I know he, he probably doesn't get much shout outs, but he's got one today. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Do you know what? We must bring in Lloyd Colfer. To, to have a chat about defensive setup, he'd be he'd be oh. basically like the poor man Stephen Poacher. And that we, could him. we have to talk about his skills practice going on Twitter at the minute oh, because my he, God. I mean the technique's questionable, but the speed's even worse. Yeah, well that's the dodgy hip he's had for the last few years, so he, he's got a good excuse with that at least. So with it without without Light Colfer here today, Joe is going to have to be the expert in in ultra defensive negative Ulster man football. And we uh, we don't do that in County Down, Kieran. We're we're all out of tack, you know. <laughs> There's only one man in County Down that's a defensive coach, and you know you know who that is. I I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so for, for anybody who's... Oh, yeah, just to mention, so Ross, you, you were with Chelsea uh, Academy, uh, Spire Academy over in Qatar, and obviously working with some other sports as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Keir. So, yeah, I mean, all my info's on DSS and, and I've had many introductions on certain vlogs. So, yeah, I mean, worked at those places, now at QPR with yourself, um, heading out of that department. So, yeah, my speciality lies in sports science, S&C and in the football world, but obviously branched out to Gaelic and trying to give as much as we know to, to anybody and everybody that wants the info. Great. Okay, good stuff. So, first, first thing to topic to, to have a look at uh, so we're going to be putting this out as a podcast, but also as a YouTube video. So for anybody who's watching this on YouTube, uh, number one topic, Joe, how did you get that background? Um, <laughs> the, the background, uh, it was actually given to me by, uh, by Dave McGreevy. Uh, he, was, uh, he was the person who, um, I think you and you gave him the responsibility to, uh, to get us the uh, business cards. Yeah. as it were so i was able to take a picture of the of the business card and i was able to put it as, as the virtual background option that you have <laughs> on zoom so uh, I, I didn't really want to uh to to have my own uh, house as the background because there's an ironing board here in the background so <laughs> i couldn't really be bothered moving the, moving the ironing board very so, good yeah, so, so there is like the background so when you're giving out all this expertise, there's, there's actually a, a, an ironing board behind you and, and a kitchen sink and everything like that. There is, yeah. Yeah, there is. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so Ross, you've been involved a lot over the last couple of weeks, or I suppose three weeks really, going into our fourth week as regards uh, organising the training remotely programme. So through QPR Academy and also obviously through the Daily Sports Science members as well. And just... Can you have a chat about some of the challenges that you found in trying to train people remote uh, in terms of professional athletes and then just a couple of little things we might have a chat about the other the, the amateur athletes and coaches that we're dealing with in DSS as well? Yeah, of course, Kiers. And like you say, we've been putting out uh, weekly programmes for obviously the players that we're working with, but also to uh, DSS members who can give that to their players and other staff members and so on and so forth. It's been, it's been tricky. Well, one, it's been tricky because we're so used to having them every day at the club from, from a professional point of view. So we know where they stand. We know how they report. You know, we get good info daily on their training load and who's working hard, who's not. Um, and we kind of, well, we know the session. We're linking in with the coaches, the physios, etc. So now we're asking them to do it remotely. I mean, some people might think that professional athletes will just do it to the T and, you know, that's their job, so they're going to do it. But especially working with kids and youth athletes, and there's obviously in this crisis a lot of things that are going on. We've had issues in getting them all to do the programme, I think, number one. And, and I'm sure we're not the only club and the only establishment to say that because people have got fears of going outside. People have got other circumstances going on. Some people, quite bluntly, are a little bit lazy. Um, not not loads, but you you've definitely got... Um, some of the cohort like that so there's definitely been challenges around communication amongst players and amongst staff so getting them to do the program making sure they understand the program uh, it's given to them in a visual form that they understand it and making sure they're feeding back appropriately that's probably been the tricky part I would say um, and you can probably vouch for that as well in, in terms of your day-to-day -day job. Yeah it's been interesting so 
like what we've done is you, you've been in charge of the under-23s and the under-18 squad and you have a WhatsApp group and you send it out, you send out a picture and also videos then to the players at the beginning of the week and then every morning as a reminder to what actually protocols, fitness protocols and gym sessions to follow. And you get feedback back from the players, don't you? Whereas with me, it's been a little bit trickier with the under-16s team because I'm dealing with the parents and having to go through the parents that obviously they've got plenty going on. Some of them are still working. They're looking after young kids. And I suppose it's an additional thing for them to remember. Um, but it's probably key, isn't it, just like staying in touch with those players a lot, isn't it? You know, just keeping those lines of communication open and everything. For sure. And sometimes the communication, as much as our job is to make sure they're, they're staying fit, maintaining fitness, getting fitter in certain aspects. But sometimes it's about actually just being there for the, in this time of crisis, because, you know, some of them are in very difficult social uh, situations, circumstances, living arrangements. Some aren't. Some some are, you know, are fine and, and have good support around them. But yeah, communications not just being around the program has been from a welfare and I guess just a personal personal relationship as well. It's a tricky one, Joe, isn't it? Especially for like the club player and the club teams. If you think back to you know your your club team back in Down and my club team back in Wexford, it's hard to know how much those lads are using this time to work on their fitness and stay you know, working on their skills and everything. Like, everybody's priorities have changed as regards, they're probably thinking more about their work and family, obviously, and their safety. So it can take a little bit of a back backseat role, can't it? Like sports performance for, for amateur players. Yeah, it, it certainly can, Kieran. Um, I know with, with my own club uh, on, the, on the WhatsApp group, um, we're, we're just trying to make sure that the boys are communicating with us on a regular basis and, and that they're giving us feedback. And, uh, you know, and the, the lads, sort of the humour's still there with the lads because, you know, they, they miss that social side of things. You know, the lads would usually meet maybe two or three times a week. They're not really getting that anymore, you know. Uh, some of the lads are just, you know, staying in the house. They're just watching Netflix, which can't really be good for you, you know. Uh, others are trying to listen to some podcasts maybe, which, which are good. Um, but, you know, we're, we're just trying to encourage them to, to go out, to get that exercise, to stick to the programs that we've been giving them. And, you know, just, just it's very difficult. You know, it is very difficult. But uh, hopefully we can get through this period and, uh, and move on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point, actually, about the social aspect of it. Because if you think of a lot of GA clubs in, in the countryside in Ireland, that that's actually the... the, the social meeting isn't it like you you meet lads in training on a wet and cold tuesday night in march or, or april and you have a laugh with the lads and you know you play the game at the weekend and maybe you pop to the pub afterwards for a drink or even just a bit of banter between lads and it's probably a big thing that's missing and you know i suppose as coaches and managers involved with teams that that's something that you actually need to take care of as well during this period and, and like there, there's some good ideas out there, people who are, you know, holding kind of um, quiz nights or they, they have a Zoom conference among friends with a beer or something like that, um, just to kind of stay in touch with those players. It's an important one, isn't it? It is. It's, 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 uh, it's very important. Uh, and it's probably one of those voids that's probably the most difficult <clears throat> to, to fill. You know, you can do the physical stuff. 
you know, you perhaps you can work in the technical stuff, but that social stuff, you, you, you don't really get it anymore now <clears throat> because you have to go out on your own. And when you're going out on your own, you know, you're missing, you're, you're missing the crack of the lads, you know. And of course, as you said, the weekend, the boys would always go to the pub after the game. You know, they're missing that too. So, so it's very difficult on some lads, you know, because they just don't really know what to do when there's a vacuum. So, um, so yeah, it's they're, just they're, that vacuum. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're probably not used to it, a lot of them. You know, it's interesting because, so I, I, did, I did a video there in the last couple of days just looking at sports training during the, the COVID-19 crisis and whether it's about sports performance or actually maintenance of a lot of things. And it was interesting to take the four-corner approach and I looked at the technical, the tactical, the physical and the psychosocial. And in a lot of those aspects, all you're looking to do is maintain. Whereas in some of them, actually, it's, it's a window of opportunity for you to go, well, look, there's actually an opportunity for me to improve on some aspects of my game. And Joe, you mentioned it well as regards, like the, the technical practice actually is, is quite difficult, isn't it? Because at the moment, a lot of people, all you have is yourself and a, a, a football and a wall or a goal. And it is difficult to do real purposeful practice at the moment to to improve your skill and like ross all you're trying to do really is kind of stay on touch on top of of your technical skills aren't you yeah it's hard kids because i think you can still be purposeful in your practice that you're doing in terms of if you've got a wall and a ball and you know you sent out some good videos and, and we've done some stuff similar in in the football over here but you can still be purposeful in what you're doing but what you're doing is actually quite limiting you've got no like external player to react off so things like the timing of the pass things like you know executing it to the right person those things go out the window but actually the repetition of you know playing with your non-dominant foot your wooden foot as we call it you actually could get quite good work on that if you're doing a a, quite a little bit over over a long period of time so I think it's about switching the focus to what you can actually work on um, as opposed to okay well we can improve repetition of a close skill but actually we can't put it into a game scenario because we haven't got the people reacting in front of us yeah absolutely and like joe if you think of last year and the previous years when we were working with the london senior football team uh, like we pulled our hair out at times when we saw that okay players we'd expect them to have better basic skills wouldn't we like the, the individual core skills the kicking the pass and the the, the catch and the move and the working off left side right side and it was always a bit of frustration now london aren't unique in that situation like loads of county teams loads of players aren't good enough with their non-dominant side or the basics passing but in ways it's it can be an opportunity to actually work on those things and like we all know the importance of those kind of technical skills when we look at Dublin and other teams like that to, in the GA world. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think with the last few years, you know, been involved with, with London, I think in our training sessions, it was very difficult for us to get time to do the technical stuff, you know, to do the basic stuff. Perhaps maybe we'd done maybe about five, ten minutes at the beginning, kick passing, hand passing, kicking the ball off the ground, you know, the basic stuff tactical stuff um whereas now it's completely turned itself on its head because now people do have time and now they can as ross has been saying uh you can do the repetition stuff 
so you can repeatedly go on the, or your left foot 100 times and you can work in that and you can even refine your right side and you can work on those little small technical skills now. So, so one of the opportunities is, is that people have time. You've got more time now to work uh, and to carry out that meaningful practice uh, so, so you can you know, become better at some of the things that, that you're per perhaps weak on. So yes, yeah, so, so there are opportunities. You have to look at the opportunities with these things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good point, actually, that you have more time now. And I know I'll make a joke about, about, um, about Benny. Rossi, Joe's younger brother, Benny, is like one of the best down footballers <laughs> of all time. Probably behind, Joe, probably behind Mickey Linden, the legendary Mickey Linden. <laughs> yeah, he's probably behind Mickey Linden, or <laughs> Ross, a little bit behind Mickey, maybe. Uh, he, he, uh, he doesn't have any senior All-Ireland medals. So, uh, uh, yeah, 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 that's true. Mickey, Mickey, Mickey's got his two All-Ireland medals, and he's, plus he's playing. He's still playing at 59 exactly. years of age. <laughs> exactly. Still playing, yeah. But, um, it, if, it, it, but if you think about it, like if you think back to your youth, and, and it, it, same for myself, you probably spent nearly every day out in the garden or out in the yard and kicking the ball against the wall with your brothers and, and you know, it's, it, you spend so much time practicing just the basic skills and that can be left foot and right foot and catching and, and that's, that's gone a lot, isn't it? Like we're trying to replicate that in the schools and in the, the, the coaching programs for kids and everything, but that's just kind of real repetition and purpose of practice with your brothers or whoever it is out in the garden that in ways we're nearly going back to that time now during this period absolutely yeah and i think and i think in the last 20 years you know there's been more emphasis on the physical side of thing, th things you know the sports science side of things which is which is brilliant which is excellent and maybe we've kind of negated the technical side so so with that you you can now because of the the time frame that you have you can now improve the, the technical side. So I don't think there are any excuses for people now, you know, for, for players when they come back, you know, they should have improved something. You know, you have to take, take this as an opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, when, when we do come back on the football pitch, now we've got time to, to kind of apply those technical skills that we've used. <clears throat> and as Ross said, now we can, we can use them, you know, in game-based scenarios as opposed to the closed skills, just hitting the ball off the wall. So I'm sure when lots of coaches go back to, to the training field, they'll just be going into mostly games, you know, mostly the game-based stuff, because they'll know that their players have been working on those technical skills. You know, we've seen all of the, um, all of the videos on Twitter, lots of people uh, doing the, you know, the wall and the ball stuff. So I'm pretty sure when we go back, we, we, we'll see, you know, hopefully we'll see improvements uh, with the technical side of things. Yeah, it's, it, it's a good point. And, and in ways, Ross, it'll, it'll probably test coaches as regards their ability to coach and to develop a program because now you can't just roll, all in, roll on into the program as regards what would I normally do. So I'd normally do my technical practice, my tactical, my phase of play, my game. But this is different, isn't it? So when we return like whenever the GA world returns, whenever the football season returns, it'll probably get back in quick enough back into the games, into the game, the matches. So you need to get up to speed very quickly. 
and spending a load of time now on tech or back at that period on technical practice probably a waste of time yeah for sure kids and i think it's important to remember joe said about the last 20 years the way your coaching maybe has changed and the focus has changed but also from like a coach perspective every people have shifted away from that close skill stuff and actually felt that maybe it didn't have as much weight into game-based scenarios and decision making whereas you know me and well, i think you and stuff we've done with london and qpr we are still advocates of the close skill stuff and that it has a place because like you said repetition of work feel it good feel of the ball different distances different types of pass you have to get repetitions in in early stages of learning as well as decision making so you're, you're 100 percent right i think the, the number one thing for managers and coaches are is that when they come back, knowing exactly what your players have done. So if they have been doing a lot of technical work, as Joe said, yet yeah, we've only got three weeks to prepare. We're going to have to put them into fairly like game-based scenarios to get another kind of tactical point and, and stuff across as well. Um, but some of the players might not have had that technical base and, you know, for whatever reason, might not have been able to go outside, might not have had access to, sounds stupid, but access to a ball. You know, we've got players here that haven't even got access to a football. So you, you, you have to know your players and, and before you start planning your programmes and what they've done in the period. Yeah, and it's an interesting way of moving on then to the, the physical corner. And as Joe said, like, I mean, myself and you, Ross, we are sports scientists. Um, but obviously we know at all stages that the coach and the technical, the tactical ability comes, it's number one, isn't it? Like that's the differentiating factor between Dublin and Mayo winning all Ireland's. It's, it's going to be their technical ability and their decision-making on the pitch because physically they're probably going to be very, very similar. You expect their sports science to be very, very similar at that level if teams are at a, a similar level. Um, so uh, you can never underplay the importance of the technical and tactical stuff. So just as regards the physical corner then, so I just wanted to have a, a quick chat about aerobic versus anaerobic work during this period. Also then the, the importance of the locomotive skills that sometimes people might forget about and a little bit about our home gym programs and and the need to, to, to load the body as well as just body weight programs. Um, I, I, like I see coaches, all the programs that are going out at the moment are all body weight and that's fantastic, but we need to remember the importance of loading as well. So Ross, do you want to quickly just introduce about what have you been doing as regards your weekly programs? And, and rather than going into minute details, but just in general, I think people would be interested about how you're sending out those programs and what type of things are involved in them. Yeah, for sure, kids. And I think it's, I think it's important to understand that where I'm programming comes from a development perspective. So it's it's an academy standpoint. So we took the stance, and you know we weren't reading the future. We kind of saw what was coming. You know, in terms of this was going to be a longer period of time off. So that molds our program then to become. We're not just mimicking what people do in training for the next two three weeks, ticking them over like you've got on the board it's an opportunity to develop an area that they necessarily won't get in season so in season is very much about preparing for games it's very much around football training or sports specific training so we've gone the other end of the spectrum and we're big advocates of developing this aerobic side and going to 
you know, peripheral and longer runs and 5Ks and 12-minute runs. So, so that's where we started. And we're just working along kind of the continuum, the aerobic continuum of, of basically reducing volume and, and trying to get the intensity up. So, you know, from your, your longer, slower stuff to your VO2 max intervals to your aerobic power, your two-minute two minute blasts um, and so on. So before we even get into any anaerobic work, we've got three or four weeks of like a real good aerobic training program to the players. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, and we had the discussion previously about you can nearly treat this period like an off season or, or like that, like rather than continue replicating what was training two weeks ago when the match was on a Saturday, your red conditioning day was on a Tuesday. You can replicate that a little bit, but this is a different period, isn't it? Because you're not, you're not preparing to perform. You're just preparing to hopefully improve the player over time. Because, for instance, if we knew that the Premier League was returning in six weeks' time, the programme would probably look quite different, wouldn't it? Because you're preparing them to perform in six weeks' time. Whereas now, we don't know whether the season returns in two months, in three months, maybe even more. So again, it, it can be that window of opportunity of, right, can we improve their aerobic capacity? Is this something that we could really work on and, and help them develop that during this period? Yeah, for sure, kids. And I think like the government, especially over here, the government and like the, um, the higher authorities, the Premier League, the EFL, they didn't help teams because they, they set that we're going to be back to play in, in two weeks' time. And it was unrealistic. So practitioners started devising two-week programmes to, like you say, maintain their performance so that we're ready for games in two weeks. But, I mean, you look at what's happened uh, in Asia, you look at what's happened in Europe, we understood that this was going to be a long-haul thing. So already I feel practitioners were two, three weeks behind where they could have been in their programming. Um, in this period but but now I think they're copying they're copying on a bit more and hopefully we'll see some longer term macro cycles or programs to the players yeah definitely it's interesting Joe isn't it because like on our whatsapp group so with dailysportscience.com if you're a member you're then part of the whatsapp group and we're all part of it and you know we've got 200 just coming up to 200 members now of of DSS and probably over a hundred like 130 of them are on the WhatsApp group so we send out the program each each Sunday night to all the coaches and then they can disseminate them out to their teams then throughout Ireland and throughout the UK <coughs> um, and it, it's interesting isn't it because they're delighted getting these programs so they can just send on to their player and go, look, well, this is what you should do. And they've actually taken it further themselves. They've become creative and adaptive because they're taking the program and they're setting challenges, aren't they? They're like, you know, what distance can you cover in 12 minutes or the fastest 5K in the group? And it kind of leads into your thing about, you know, looking after the social corner and, and the mentality of the players that there's a little bit of competitiveness and a bit of fun going on between them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that little bit of competition also is, is something that we, is that we, we miss uh, the competitive nature of our players. So uh, one of the things that we've been doing with our club is uh, we've actually um, got the lads to put in five pounds each into a kind of uh, <clears throat> a kitty, an electronic kitty. And uh, we've said whoever covers the, the longest, you know, I think um, 
if you can cover more than you know 50 kilometers in a, in a week then then you get part of the kitty so uh, i think the comp, com, competition is something that's also missing um and it's uh, it's very good especially on the whatsapp group uh that we have for dss elite coaching as you, you just mentioned uh, it's very good for it because the boys are always discussing on the group. The coaches are always discussing, they're sharing information. They're, they're perhaps saying, okay, well, how can I do this better? And that discussion means that you can improve things and you can become more innovative. And uh, lots of the guys on the DSS uh, WhatsApp group, you know, uh, <clears throat> they're, they're all very open about sharing their ideas, which is, bring, which is something in the past maybe that GAA people perhaps weren't really good at. They weren't really good at sharing information uh, between clubs, especially within counties, <clears throat> but now I think we're we're kind of moving, we're shifting culture towards the kind of sharing of information. And uh, <clears throat> the WhatsApp group is brilliant. You know, I've learned loads from the WhatsApp group. I'm implementing lots of the stuff that Ross has been putting up, and uh, the feedback that I'm getting from our players is is excellent. You know, they like to see structure, mm. and and what that gym program does and the fitness program it gives structure. <clears throat> which is also important in these times. Yeah. So yeah, so I think um, I think the WhatsApp group has been brilliant. Yeah, it's 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 a good point. I think like like you say, like you allude to, that players have changed, haven't they? Like in the GA world now, intercounty expect things to be highly structured, very professional, well organized. But now it's seeping down into the club uh, realm as well, where they want things organized well and and it's great to see people sharing stuff and chatting. And I think Ross, like in ways that's always been there in the, in the professional football world in, in some ways with as regards like backroom staffs, like physiotherapists, sports scientists, tactical stuff amongst coaches. I'm not sure, but in the GA world, definitely people were very afraid to share stuff and, and, that like we we the three of us obviously that's what we do don't we we share things we put it out and it, I I think a, a rising tide brings up all boats in some ways. Yeah, for sure. I think I think one thing in football is like you say the sports staff sport. I think sports science in general in the last ten fifteen years has been very open and very willing to share stuff, um, and that's maybe brought maybe the whole of the football industry to share in a bit more so and the emergence of social media and the the platform to do it i think it gives a gives a good um point for people to be able to put their stuff out there so listen we i'm not precious we're not precious of everything we do we know that we're, we're not reinventing the wheel we have some things that we do slightly different and some things that other people do different and you might take a bit of that so the more people share the more everyone's knowledge base and philosophy enhances so that, yeah. that's what we're trying to do all around yeah definitely take us through ross so it's interesting because a lot of people at the moment they're worrying about the players fitness in terms of their running and also their their home gym program but the locomotive skills i feel is a real it's a window of opportunity in general anyway aside from the, the coronavirus crisis that people sometimes neglect a little bit and that they don't probably put enough focus and a time and energy into and it's something that like you've been a massive massive advocate of the, the locomotive skills over the last number of years and you've developed a really cool continuum haven't you 
Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. And I think it just needs to, especially because we're planning longer term, it just needs to be programmed correctly. So, yeah, we, we've put in a, a massive continuum, like you say, in terms of the blog and the vlog around Axel D-Cell. So I won't go into too much detail, Kias, but um, I'll, I'll reference different qualities that we have. The Axel D-Cell, the change of direction and agility work. Obviously, we're not going to be able to get much agility work now because you're reacting off, off yourself. So there's, yeah. there's no external, external cues and also the max speed. I think at the start of the program, because it is an opportunity to maybe go away from what they've been doing in the training, like potentially then you can kind of take the focus away from changing direction and, and, and maybe offload some areas that need offloading, um, certain joints that are going to be put under stress in, in the season. So we focus mainly on linear max speed where, you know, we, we feel that maybe that overload doesn't get as much attention in season, um, apart from little pockets of window that you can do in the training week and then as you said the aerobic stuff but as we go through the next few weeks of course we're going to be putting in the d-cell mechanics the change of direction work um, and that will go against or go with and complement the core skills work the individual skills practice because not only from a technical perspective if we go back into training and do a technical drill or a game scenario we need to know that our players are able to tolerate that different amount of actions uh, within the first few weeks because that's going to be massive to get them ready for games potentially within two or three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's an important one, isn't it? And you make you make good points about that, that they need to be prepared and ready when they come back, but taking the opportunity to kind of offload them from that at the moment. Um, so in terms of the gym program then, what, what type of stuff do you look at and, and, and what kind of stuff are you giving to the players at the moment then? Yeah, and yeah, of course. And I think you made a good point about, you know, body weight can only get you so far in terms of strength development and, and stuff like that, and maybe hypertrophy, depending on where your focus is. But we've, for the first few weeks, have gone pro predominantly body weight. And it, again, it's an opportunity to, to work with some high volumes and maybe enhance some movement patterns and, and get some more load in there, um, load in terms of the volume of, of repetitions there. They're going through but you're right at some point then these basic primal movement patterns we have to get back to loading so squat patterns the, the lunge patterns the rdl patterns etc etc like we have to be really creative in how we get that load because we haven't got access to gyms anymore so we've got stuff with players putting books in a bag um holding their dog um you know real real creative things because listen it's not it's not going to be complete science but we do need to apply some some external load at some point to maintain their, their strength qualities um yeah joe i i joe i see there's a there's a carlo hurler he he was doing some of the things that you and your your brothers used to do he's holding a sheep and he's squatting up and down for working on his uh, gym programs. That, that's probably something you used to do up in up in the the Moran Mountains. <coughs> yeah, holding the sheep better better than holding a bottle of milk, you know. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit heavier, a bit more of a loader. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think um, you know the 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 gym programs are are massively massively important, you know. Um, but uh, I think that you know just going back to to you know back to my own club again. Um, with with the gym program, it's also very important that you know you're talking to the boys individually as well. That you're not just putting information on your on your WhatsApp group to the whole 
to the home team. So I try to make sure that I uh, individually send messages out to the individual players as well, yeah. just to check good in them and to see, see how they're progressing. You know, because sometimes it's very hard to get feedback from them if you're just talking to them as a group. So it's very important to, to touch base with them individually as well so you're getting feedback from them. Yeah, it's interesting. I did a very, very short video just while I was in the park last day, just over a minute. And I was asking the coaches, I'm going to publish it in the next few days, about what did they learn from this period as regards their coaching. So what were the two things that you actually take from this coronavirus as regards improving as a coach? And I'll, I'll wait for it to come out. But one of the things definitely for me was just that personal interaction. And I think whenever I go back coaching, it's the one thing that I'm really going to focus on even more, that the, 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 the program is so important and the fitness, the sports science, technical, the tactics, you have to, it goes without saying, you have to have all those things in place. And the teams that don't have those things in place, like they're back before they started. But if you have, well then the foundation of everything then is good personal relationships with the players. And look, obviously you have to admit that it's not always the case. It's a real thing to improve on, I think. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things... Uh, with that, Kieran, is, is, is time as well. You know, when you're at a training session, it's very difficult to get around the players and speak to them individually, you know, in between drills or in between phases or whatever, because maybe you could be taking one of the phases or you could be setting up one of the phases. Yeah. Um, even beforehand, you could be planning the whole training session out. After the training session, you might be talking to your coaches. So it's very important as well, you know, that, that when, you do, we, when we all do go back, is that we're able to speak to the players individually and that you know, you're able to delegate some responsibilities to other, other people for coaching staff uh, so that you can speak to the players individually. I think it's very important to speak to the players individually, especially uh, when we do come back because you know, they, they'll have gone through a lot. Uh, everyone will be in new territory because you know, we, we, don't know, we don't actually know when we're going to be coming back. So I think that's even more important now, the, the kind of personal uh, relationships with players. Very yeah. important now. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, before going on to the, the tactical corner and a little bit about the uh, psychosocial and uh, the health and well-being, like we, we've already mentioned some, um, just to remind, so people head over to the website, it's dailysportscience.com. We're running an offer at the moment, it's 20% off for new members and... At this stage, we're, we're year running now. There's so much content up there now between blogs and vlogs and videos of practices. You, get, you join the WhatsApp groups. You're interacting every day. There are programs there, the S&C program from Ross. Um, there's so much stuff up there. So just, just have a look at that anyways, 20% off. Okay, so I was having to think about the tactical side of stuff, Joe, and... I don't hear many people talking about it during this period. So a lot of focus is on, I think, mostly the fitness work. And then secondly, a little bit of technical, but more challenges than practice. But the tactical side of stuff, I thought that, you know what, this is a real window of opportunity, I think, because there's so much scope there to actually self-reflect and look at your own game, whether you're a player or if you're a coach, to look at, your team's performances are all also as well your opposition. And like, if you're lucky enough to have 
a video sharing platform like Huddle or like Performa Sports or one of those even better because you can be coaching your players on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis at the moment without you know meeting them physically and you can be setting them little challenges or stuff so there's there's a lot going on there isn't there in the tactical stuff that I hope coaches use this period and players use this period to, to work on some aspects of their game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think the tactical stuff is massively important. And I think it's the one that doesn't really uh, stick out at you. You know, you, you, it's probably the one that coaches think about last during this period of time. Yeah. Um, which is funny because, you know, I, I, we might think that it's actually, we, we can actually work a lot on tactics, even though you're not playing, you're not training or you're not playing games. You can still work on the tactical side uh, because if you do have those videos from the past, and I know that we we've used Huddle, which is which is like gold dust in terms of uh, looking at your own uh, your own gameplay and how you've performed. Uh, so if if teams have that have have videos, you know, from previous games, and I think most most uh, senior intermediate uh, club teams have videoed all their games, you know, league games from the past. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good opportunity for coaches to encourage their players to watch those games and for the players to look at themselves and think about it tactically because you do have the time on your hands to do that. I also think another important thing tactically as well is um, you've got TG Cahar, you've got maybe uh, yeah. on YouTube, they're putting up lots of games, lots of the great classic games of the past. I think the down game from 1991 was on uh, previously um, and I think Colin Parkinson talked about it in his uh, previous podcast. But it's those types of games that you can look at, especially in this era now where we're kind of bringing in the more uh, attacking type of play. And you've got that advanced mark. So I think by looking at those games in the past, if you're a full forward, perhaps you can think about, well, how, you know, how, did, how was this played in the 90s when it was a very sort of attacking type of culture? Uh, and you can learn, you know, you can learn from those previous games. Uh, but there's not there's nothing better there's nothing better to improve your own performance than feedback, but also by looking at the, a video of yourself and finding out what you've done wrong or what you could improve on. I think that's one of the the best tools that you can use to improve yourself as a player in, yeah. in soccer and in Gaelic football. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. The only problem, though, Joe, is that see the GAR now are our competitors, so we're done with them. <laughs> We're, so we're we, can't advertise. We, we, we can't advertise. We can't talk about them. That, no, that Willie Parkinson fella. I'm, I'm finished. Finished. I'm not listening to their show. So instead of having 14,001 people listening to the show, they're now going to have only 14,000. And we'll have, like, we'll have to get our mothers to listen, our girls, our girlfriends, our wives, our brothers, or whatever, just to get, get that number up to at least 10. 10 people who listen to the show and, and, and view the, the, the YouTube video. Definitely, Kieran. I think this time next year, we'll, we'll have more uh, podcast, uh, podcast <laughs> listeners than, than Colin Parkinson. That's, that's <laughs> the just, target, you know? <laughs> I'm just wondering, if I'm Woolly and you're Conan, who the hell is Ross? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> Cover even as an English accent, that that wouldn't be allowed on a GA show. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Colin Parkinson ha- ever has had an English person. No, actually, no. he may have had. Actually, I think he yeah. had, he's had Liam. He's had Liam Gavigan. Had Liam Gavigan. He's had Liam Gavigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But he's he's never had a real English person. 
No, he's never, no, he's never had a real pure Cockney English. (laughs) (laughs) I could be the first, man. I could be the first. So, Ross, it's interesting because, like, looking at the the tactical corner and the self-reflection, like in the academy in QPR, and look, when we're referencing QPR, these are these initiatives are all happening in lots of other academies, aren't they? But the the, the concept of that journal, that self-reflection journal, is really good, isn't it? And it, it's it's a perfect opportunity at the moment to use that. Yeah, for sure, kids. And and a couple of things on the tactical stuff I'll come on to as well. But yeah, so just to, you know, they have their, their 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 diary, their journal that they call it from from all the kids, and they have to record their training. But not just writing it down and doing what like saying what they've done. They have to like come up with well what's in it for them. So whatever they're doing, um, whether it's physical, whether they're working technical or working across all the four corners, they have to come up with you know what exactly did they get out of it from a development point of view, and we kind of try to bring that into the London boys as well which I think had a really good buy-in and put a bit more focus on the development because sometimes when you go to senior football and and first team football over here like the development gets lost and it's all about the winning but take care of the development of each individual and the team does well anyway so we we have to remember that Um, so it works really well And, and a couple of things on the tactical stuff and the analysis stuff and a couple of things that we played around with here at QPR until 95% 95% of our staff got furloughed um, is that we were on the verge of sending out little scenarios of tactical stuff. Now you could do this on huddle or you can do this on a tactics board. If you haven't got access yeah. to a platform yeah. of, for example, if a team are kicking out here and this is how they're set up in defensive line, um, midfield line, whatever, where do you think you should be individually? And where mm. do you think, how do you think we should deal with this as a team? going further on what's the game stakes we're ahead of the game by three points or we're losing by two points and start getting a bit of interaction from players around how they would deal with certain situations because that's how you're gonna and that's why I think the tactical stuff is so immersed in the psychosocial that it's about interactions and relationships with each other on the pitch so Mm. you can't you can do um, like tactical stuff on your own and analysis of your own game, but true tactical is how you interact with each player on the pitch, how you're working within your unit, um, how you're, if you're, you know, your roles and responsibility within that tactical setup. So I think, yeah, watch your own clips, but also, you know, look at different tasks and watch uh, a player who's in and around you in your unit, watch their clips because you might be able to um, act off their uh, movements you're, you're normally responding off the first defender so you know you, you're always looking at the unit and the team as a tactical perspective and sometimes we lose that and, and only focus on ourselves. if that makes sense yeah it's a really good point and even if we think back like you and I only what six weeks ago we're on the UEFA B uh, soccer coaching or football coaching and you always look at the individual the unit the team and, and sometimes the unit is one that's forgotten, isn't it? I, I think we're focused on improving the individual. We're focusing in general on working on the team. But I think, okay, especially in the GA world, I think we forget about the unit. And that's the, important, the importance of that unit practice, I think, can't be um, underplayed, you know. It's interesting the point you make about bringing that across into the psychosocial. So you know, linking the two. And I, I like that, actually. Joe, it's, it, it, it's, it's quite an interesting one, thinking about those 
you know, relationships. And it probably goes back again to, you know, we're so, at the end of the day, we're social creatures, aren't we? And, and we miss that personal interaction. But of course, like you remember any team that you were successful with underage or in adult or in school or club or anything, you always had a huge bond amongst the players and, and, the, back, and, and the management. That was such a strong bond. And even more than the skills or the tactics, it was nearly the bond that gets you through a lot of these games and, and wins championships. Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's perhaps one of the things that we, that's kind of uh, taken, uh, taken a back step is, is the uh, social side of things, integrated with the tactical. And I think as, as a coach, you know, uh, if, if, if you want to build relationships with your players, positive relationships, you know, one of the things that you have to do is you have to discuss, as Ross said, the tactical the tactical side of, of that player and the position they're playing in and their decision-making and, and where they fit in in terms of the whole team. Um, and that it's not just about themselves, that, that they're doing things for other players, like giving another player space perhaps uh, and kind of sacrificing themselves. Uh, so, yeah, so I think, I think the tactical integration with the, with the psychological and social one is, is very important. Uh, and, you know, when, when we do come back after, after this event, uh, hopefully, you know, there will be more emphasis on the, on the social side of things. And this will bring out, you know, more, more discussion, even tactically, uh, when we do come back. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I think it's even worth a full podcast and video to, for us to have a chat about what to expect when teams come back. So what's it going to be like and what should teams do? So what should an inter-county team do or a club team in those first few weeks? Because in some ways it's interesting because it'll be a season unlike any other. And those first few weeks could be the winning and losing of a championship. You know, if you follow the programme well or the different initiatives you put in and, and everything like that. Last thing we're just going to touch on then is, is the health and well-being. And Ross, I'll ask you in a minute just about, you know, some of the safety concerns that you have to think about when you're sending programs to your players and their living um, conditions and stuff like that. But Joe, we're, we're, we're lucky that you're still with us. We, we thought we were going to lose you uh, last week. <laughs> the happiest thing that i have about this podcast is that you're you're still here yeah uh luckily enough kieran i'm still here yeah um i think it was about two weeks two weeks ago uh we were actually still in school so two weeks ago uh, i woke up and um i was absolutely freezing Uh, i thought i left the window open or something just before i was going to work Uh, so i got up went into work and it was freezing and I had my coat on and I had, a, I had my scarf on and it was about 15, 15 degrees, you know, I didn't know why I was freezing, but I, I noticed that it wasn't one of the symptoms because a fever and a cough is obviously the symptoms. And if you have the symptoms, you have to stay home. We all know. Yeah. Uh, so I actually went into school anyway, because I was, I was just, I was cold. Uh, so then when I came home from, from work that day, um, I was feeling really, really bad. Uh, I was feeling absolutely wrecked. And then I started to get a temperature and then I started to get sick. And then um, <clears throat> it, w- it was really bad for a few days. And I was kind of thinking, do, do I have it? So over those few days, uh, I was actually in bed. I couldn't really get out of bed. I was stuck glued to the bed. It was the worst type of flu that I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Um, so for about four or five days, that continued on. 
uh, aches and pains, headaches. Um, and then on the sort of sixth, sixth day, all of a sudden I, I went to um, drink a cup of tea. And uh, when I drank the tea, it, it uh, tasted like water. And I was like, what was going on here? That's and mad, then um, I noticed that I'd lost my smell and I'd lost my taste. So I'd lost my smell and my taste. And um, I was actually, I was on Twitter and was finding out from other people that this yeah. is actually a common symptom, that yeah. you lose your, your taste, you lose your smell. Uh, so loads of people were, were, were putting up on Twitter that they'd lost their taste and smell. And I'm just about getting my taste <laughs> and smell back Yeah, uh, after, that, about, after about 10 days now. And that, that was nearly before it kind of came out that if you have the coronavirus that you can get those symptoms, wasn't it? Like there was a little yeah. bit of uncertainty, wasn't there at that time? Yeah, there was. Yeah. I, I don't think it's clinically proven at the minute. I don't think the, you know, right. the WHO are actually saying that it's a symptom, but, but from all the research that I've done, uh, there's something like 33% or third, roughly a third have that symptom. Right. And it's usually with people that have mild symptoms. Yeah. Now my, my symptom, they were mild symptoms yeah. uh, in relation to other people who've had it really bad. Um, so yeah, so I think I've had, I think I've had it. Yeah. Um, luckily enough, I've, I've just had the mild symptoms of it. Yeah. And you've, you, yeah. like you said as well, there was a lot of other teachers in your school, wasn't there, that, that yeah. who had yeah. it but didn't know you had it in some ways or not tested, for instance, not confirmed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, there, there, I think... Um, we had something like 20 teachers off uh, because they were self-isolating. So, um, so at that stage, it was very difficult for our school to, to maintain, you know, we've something like 1,700 kids in our school. So we had to send home, you know, the year 10s and the year, year 11s. Um, so, yeah, so, um, you know, there are obviously, I, I think I probably got it at school, you yeah. know, because some of the people that are carrying it do have, have no symptoms whatsoever, as we know. So I'm pretty sure I got it at school because at that time, Croke Park had said uh, that uh, that GA, you know, GA clubs couldn't get together. Yeah. So um, so I didn't. I don't think I got it <clears throat> when I was coaching. Okay. Um, right. So I think yeah. I got yeah. It yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And and I suppose it was in that tricky period where a lot of people were hoping actually they would close the schools and shut down a little bit more over here in London and UK, uh, while Ireland was already sh in shutdown mode, you know, and it was, it was difficult going, in, going into work, going into school, and you don't know, are you going to get it or spread it or bring it home? So yeah, it was a tricky period. Kieran, just to jump in there, sorry to, to yeah. interrupt, but without going too political, I mean, I think that minute example and the amount of people that Joe came into contact with whilst he had symptoms without knowing it, that's just one instant over the in in southwest london you know yeah. so that just shows you how wrong the government got it in the early stages because yeah. like if these are being magnified and and over and over people are catching it and catching it and obviously now we're seeing the massive repercussions of that and the huge yeah. fatalities that are coming from that so i just think you know credit where credit's due in in ireland and they lock things down early we were saying it amongst us that yeah. we shouldn't be out functioning and operating like we are so yeah. you know I think it's just good evidence there that, that, that we got it wrong as a country and yeah. and now we're, we're suffering for it. Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously all Joe and all the teachers aren't part of that number that we see on TV every day. 
you know, that, that because they were never tested and they never went to hospital so that it's not actually, people aren't aware probably of how many people actually have it, what the real number is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there, you know, there are people walking around with it and they don't know they have it. That's, that's, that's the problem with it, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, just on Ross's point there about, um, about, you know, the UK getting it wrong. I think Ireland were very fast, especially, you know, the GAA. I think they were very fast too. And yeah. they, they took a lead role in this. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very funny because with, with my club um, over here, thing, things were not locked down. In the UK didn't lock things down, but we were receiving messages from the GAA that yeah. GAA teams couldn't get together, whereas there were soccer teams getting together. So I was telling my club, lads, we can't train tonight because yeah. the GAA said we can't train. And I was getting messages back saying, well, hold on, there, the, the soccer teams I'm training. doing soccer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So so that was quite, you know, confusing for them. But I think, um, I think yeah, I think Ross is right. I think maybe they were a bit too uh, late in, uh, in closing it down. Yeah. And I well, think I mean, in, Ireland, in Ireland itself, there seems to be more of a community in Ireland. And I think they adhere to the, to the rules a little bit better than maybe over here, you know, the social distancing rules. Yeah, 100%. community in Ireland, you know, it's a very big, massive voice in Ireland. And, you know, they're able to do that. They're able to convince their community, you know, you need to self-isolate and you need not to get into groups. And I think people were going out maybe in three or fours in Ireland at one stage, and they were doing maybe a kickabout. And I think the GA even clamped down further and said, listen, you can't even go out in groups of threes or fours because that's dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah, they, so I think... Um, they, 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 they got it right, didn't they? And, and I, think, I think that social cohesiveness in Ireland that mm -hmm. the GA is at the centre of really helped. And I suppose a little bit of more trust in government as well. I think that, that helped. And unfortunately, like the numbers that we're seeing at the moment in the people that are dying in the hospitals, like if you think of it there as, as a result of that period, you know, before the lockdown, that the people who are dying now actually contracted the virus while we were still going about our business, going into work and in school and passing it on and everything. So it, it, it shows the kind of folly of that that. Uh, policy I think so Ross just in terms of your players then with QPR and and like we kind of we have players from all different backgrounds don't we and different socio-economic levels in society and it's a challenge and and something we have to kind of keep in the back of our mind at all stages yeah for sure kids I think um number one yeah like you said we're in um west London where where <clears> the, the main stadium is but we go across southwest London for our training facilities. We have players living all over London, just outside of London. We've got players who live in Hertfordshire who have got, you know, very nice, comfortable situations. And we've got players in, right in the heart of South London who, you know, are in, there's four or five of them in, in family in, in a tiny flat across yeah. generations. So you've got a, a high risk, vulnerable grandmother, that's, for example, and then you've got as old as 10 year old siblings in, in the same house. So, yeah. you know, first of all, yet yeah, we want to demand expectations with the program and, and making sure they're doing it. 
but we also have to look after their family and the well-being of them first. So if that means that none of the family don't want that person to go out to, to reduce the risk for the vulnerable in the house, then we accept that and we work with the player. So, you know, it, we have to consider that from a welfare and from a social perspective. Um, and all that work's going on behind the scenes, isn't it, with the welfare officer and, and the psychologist and ourselves and stuff. So Yeah, and it, it's something to be aware about even in terms of for people, regardless of their living situations, that this is a new thing for everybody. Like, we don't know how people will react and being cooked up in a house or a flat, even worse. Like, you don't know how players are going to react. And sometimes they need to let off a bit of steam and they get a bit bored and, you know, they want to have a few beers and stuff like that. And like Joe, in some ways you kind of have to allow that, don't you? You need to give these people a bit of space because at the moment, sport is obviously not the most important thing in the world. It really isn't. So you need to give them that little bit of freedom, I think. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think as coaches, you need to get the balance right. You know, you, you can't be at them every day, you know, but, you know, at the same time, you do need to give them the space. And I think even as, as a teacher as well, one of the things uh, that a lot of our teachers were doing at the beginning was giving, giving these students loads of work online, loads of mm. tasks to do online. And it was actually overburdening some of the students at school and they couldn't, they couldn't deal with it because there was so much and they had to do things in their house for their parents, perhaps. So I think, yeah, I think getting that balance right between giving, giving your players freedom this time and also trying to, you know, just sort of touch base with them, getting that balance right is so, so important uh, because when we, when we do come back, you want, them, you want them to be in the best condition that they possibly can be, both, you know, physically and also, you know, mentally as well. So, so yeah, so these are strange times. And, you know, also just in addition to that, Kieran, uh, I think, you know, even further down the line, I think that we're going to be in this for the long haul. I mm. think that, you know, when things do go back to normal, perhaps there might be a second, a second um, peak where it comes again, or a second wave, sorry, where it comes again, and yeah. we may have to stop sport again. So, yeah. so this could happen again. All you have to do is look at Japan, and I think yeah. they're going back to major restrictions again. So, yeah. so yeah. this could be going on for an, another maybe few years. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and look, I think we, we, it's a good opportunity to have a chat the next day, I think, about like what are the options open for the GAA? Because... There's a lot of talk now, Ross, isn't there, about the football, professional football season returning and how they're going to do that and how they're going to manage that. And there's a lot of jobs on the line, a lot of money. Um, but in some ways, it's actually even harder for GA because it's not professional and people, you know, people have to work and they have to worry about that. And so it's, it's, it's going to be a tricky situation, I think. Yeah, for sure, kids. I mean, like just from a Premier League and, and Football League perspective, they're they're really keen to finish the season off because of, you know, the financial implications and and people like Liverpool, teams like Liverpool deserving the title, for example. And and you have to say there's some their merit in there. Yeah. Obviously, then when they go back and how how they can get that done, there's 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 madness talks about people playing teams playing three games a week and stuff like that, which I think is just ludicrous, you know. Yeah. Um 
the, the best idea I had walking down the road the other day was just just play the whole of next season um, as this season. So you've got loads of time to play with. Um, like Joe said, if the second peak comes in and we have to shut down, we're not chasing ourselves again. Um, and it just means then financially everyone can kind of extend on once we get out of this period and there's a bit more security around it. But yeah, yeah again, we're not, we're not sure. And I don't think the authorities are, are being very clear in, in what's to come. <clears throat> yeah exactly exactly okay well sure look we leave it at that for for today i think the next day let's have a chat about that joe we'll have a we'll have a look at the ga situation as well it's a really tricky situation there i think even in terms of it'll be across borders between you know in northern ireland and ireland and different governmental policies and everything so it'll be a really interesting one for us to look at in the meantime make sure subscribe to our youtube channel Hopefully, we'll manage to get this out on up on a podcast. So subscribe there. Head over to the website dailysportscience.com, and we've got twenty percent off there for new members. If you're already a member, keep an eye on all the content that's going up every every day or every second day, and come and join the WhatsApp group. But for now, just the in the the locker room podcast. Ross, thanks very much for coming on, and Joe, thanks very much. I love the down jersey, the retro down jersey you're wearing. You'll have to tell me where to get one of those. No problem. <laughs> okay, thanks, lads. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, kids. Thanks, 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 mate.